Welcome to That's Orgasmic, a podcast discussing the orgasmic and not-so-orgasmic moments of all things sex, relationships, and mental health. I am your host, Emily Duncan, and I'm a sexologist who provides online sex coaching sessions to help you cultivate sexual wellness. Today, I am joined with Alice Lovegood, who is a sex educator, life coach, and spicy creator. So welcome to That's Orgasmic. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, I would love to, I guess, learn a little bit more about you and if you could tell the listeners a bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so I am a sex educator um, and spicy creator. I essentially make ethical porn um, and I'm passionate about opening the conversation up about sex, intimacy, kink, fetish, um, and helping people feel like more at home in their bodies and able to explore sex safely and you know happily yeah I love that are you able to touch on like what ethical porn is because for some people listening I've touched on it on the podcast before but I feel like a lot of people unaware of what ethical porn is and when they think of porn they just think of like Pornhub yeah so basically ethical porn is essentially uh real porn that includes all of the consent or you know the little breaks the conversation the uh aftercare the all the bits that are missing in general porn um that are really important to show so oh and it and it's just generally as well porn that's well paid for the creator rather than you know people who are directing essentially Mm-hmm. yeah which I think is yeah another big difference and like I'm a big, big advocate for paying for your porn like if you're somebody who has you know you have your favorite creators supporting them directly um and yeah because it's obviously it benefits them so much more enables you all to be able to keep working and make the content that everybody loves to see um so how did you like get into this space and into you know being a sex educator in this whole world so basically, I started when I was pregnant. I've always kind of had I had a really high sex drive. Um, and at the time, um, I was pregnant and me and my partner had like a real mismatch in libido. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, I can't I feel like I need an outlet, like something's not working. And if you can't give me it, then maybe this could be like a sexual outlet for me. So and I knew I was a fetish. So I was like, it gave me the confidence to be like oh I could make money from this where whereas before I think I was like oh people wouldn't like me I'm not pretty enough I'm not so I did and then I just did quite well um and was like this is a lot better than going to a job that I hate Mm -hmm. um so I started doing it full time and then um basically I, I found out like through my own path as well and that I went I know that I went to porn because I wanted to see real sex I wanted I wanted to learn about it and know what it looked like and you know what to do how to be good at it and I so I went to porn for that and I also discovered through my work that a lot of people were doing the same they were coming to me because they had questions and they didn't know where to go for answers so 
I thought, well, this is a, there's a real need for this. Um, and then just decided to qualify and, um, learn as much as I possibly could to be able to fulfill that need. Yeah, amazing. And I feel like, especially in this space, being like a sex educator, it's one of those things when you step into it, it's like, oh my God, there's so much out there. And the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And it's like, well, if I don't know this, the general people, nobody, you know, knows this. And I think also being able to tie that into, you know, creating porn that is ethical, that is also can be educational. People can learn from that as well. Um, Or even just like talking about and tying the two together, because I can imagine that people would probably come to you, especially on social media, saying that you can't have both, like be a sex educator and, you know, create, you know, spicy content. Um, But yeah, I just love seeing that, I guess that people are more and more stepping into themselves and being able to find work within this industry and thrive within this space too, because there's such a need for it. Yeah, 100%. And I I would argue that um, it, it is there is a real crossover um so you know I do like explicit how to's how to do anal how like you could talk about you know this is the lube used but yeah it, it's different lots of people learn in different ways and some people really do want to actually see um or see examples of how to do a healthy BDSM scene and how to ask for consent and what a safe word is. And to see it in action is very different to just hearing someone lecture you on it. And I think as well, the fact that I put it into action and I'm so open about what I do and I talk quite explicitly about my kinks and wants and needs, it makes me really approachable and it doesn't feel like that teacher-student relationship. It just feels really easy to open up and talk to me Mm, absolutely and like it's such a great point there like people also like need to see video like everybody that's one of the things that like when it comes to sex and I get people email me all the time what can I do or like what move can I do or how can I do it and it's like it's so hard to try and one type that out over an email or two you know say it in a podcast like actual having visuals just makes it so much easier more accessible yeah, or even like I did an anatomy one, like, and so many of the people that watched were like, oh, finally, because I had like me and my friend, and we've got very different vulvas. So I could show like how it looks different and how you can have different hair and where the clitoris is and how it can be smaller or bigger. And um, it's, it's so much better than just a diagram. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a people would probably see like, oh, a spicy content creator and just assume that it is just like, the mainstream porn that they see and not that you can go and get content like this on platforms such as OnlyFans and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would, I guess I'd love to know like what your favorite thing about, you know, creating online spicy content, what it is. Um, I love like just having it as a career. I love that. uh, So I'm neurodivergent. I've got ADHD. Um, traditional jobs just don't work for me um so I love like the flexibility the fact that I can hyper focus on such on different elements the meeting like-minded people there's there's so much about that that I love um and then there's also you know the fact that I'm helping people I, I love nothing more than when I get a message that says you know this has saved my relationship this has provide this has stopped me feeling shame about myself you know I'm so much more confident now um and and that just gives me a real like because sometimes I can feel like oh is what I'm doing self-centered and then Mm -hmm. that's like a 
finder that actually no it's a, it's a needed and positive message yeah absolutely and I know there's no better feeling than that one because sometimes it can be so isolating especially when you just you're doing it on your own and you're having obviously your audience in front of your people there to know that it's having a positive impact like there's no better feeling than getting those messages so yeah I guess then too like what's your favorite like content to create so I love loads of different types um I especially love creating content with other people. Um, you know, I love showing that real connection and that real intimacy that is missing. Um, and then I also love like doing holistic, like sensual stuff. So I sometimes do like a positive JOI where I'll talk about how having um, like masturbating is so good for you and all the hormones and endorphins that it releases and um guide someone through that and I just love being creative um and sending like a a positive warmth instead of that quite common uh post-nut clarity that you get from you know watching normal porn Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um one thing that I saw that was on your Instagram obviously I did a deep deep dive before we jumped on here and there was honestly so much that I was like, I don't even know where to begin when talking to you because there was just so much on there and so much juicy content and so many things that I haven't even touched on on the podcast. And I love delving into kinks and fetishes. Um, it's one thing that I always get, I guess, the best feedback from because so many of us want to explore these things but might feel guilt or shame or don't know how to do it. And one thing that I haven't discussed before was like breast milk play or known as erotic um, lactation or milk fetishism. Are you able to like explain what this is to listeners if they haven't heard of like heard of this before? Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's essentially um, like attraction to milk and it can be a lot of different reasons that people enjoy it. So um I personally enjoy it as part of my kind of like wet kink I love anything that's like wet like squirt Mm. or milk um I like the visual of it and and how it looks and how it sounds um but then you know from the receiving there's a lot of people that enjoy it in terms of like almost like a goddess type situation like fertility goddess many people who enjoy breathing pregnancy will then go on to like milk um it's kind of almost in awe of the female body and what it can do then we have people that um like the visual of it they like the feel of it then we have people who like um to almost role play like a mummy dom situation Mm -hmm. they want to cradle they want to nurse they want to have that suckling sensation um in like a caring role and then there's also like a more of a dominant thing where it's uh lots of people who they they want to like breed and milk you like keep you as a huckow cattle I'm gonna use you and and that's what you're for type thing so there's so many different elements to it that people enjoy and I'm sure that's not like all of them as well um I did recently do a podcast like really going into it and it's such a fascinating topic um that's often seen as so taboo because people see it as sexualizing something that shouldn't be sexualized but I don't really understand the difference between sexualizing milky boobs and sexualizing boobs in general mm-hmm. why one not I don't get it but 
<laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. And I, th- I can see a lot of people uh, maybe resisting it or like especially coming from a place of not being educated and not having seen it before or spoken about it. I, yeah, I imagine people, a lot of people would have questions around this. And I know one that you touched on is like on your Instagram, like do we still need to be like breastfeeding to be able to do this? Um, yeah, to be able to like, I guess, excrete milk. Um, yeah, so you don't have to be actively breastfeeding to be able to make milk. You just have to be removing milk. So the way your body works in in milk production is the more you remove, the more you make. Um, So even if you've like stopped for a while and you want to make milk, if you start pumping and stimulating your breasts and telling your body that you need milk, then you can make milk again. Yeah. And like I even know people who have um, started lactating and they're not even pregnant. Like it's not even it's not even something where it's like giving food to a child, which I think can even probably help create that distance for people thinking that it's something that's shouldn't be sexualized if that makes sense um yeah because I've I was even talking with I think my mum who was the other day there was somebody that um she knows has phantom pregnancies all the time and her breasts will lactate um oh. and yeah and it happens like it's happened multiple times and they'll have these phantom pregnancies and be able to literally like if you know there was if they could breastfeed like they can yeah yeah, you have to be kept. So I, I haven't breast like I breastfed my last twelve or eighteen months and then stopped, and I've just kind of carried on making milk. But you do have to be careful if you suddenly um, start making milk and you haven't had a pregnancy, you haven't had a baby, um, and you haven't like had a hormonal change. It can be a sign that there's something. Mm. Uh, so just get checked out if that if you suddenly start making milk make sure you get checked out by the doctors yes absolutely yeah absolutely um yeah because obviously that's not I guess not that it isn't normal but technically not normal unless like yeah you're being pregnant or breastfeeding um is there anything else on like I guess um like breast milk play that you would like want to touch on um I kind of I always usually talk about how like it does make sense hormonally that it could be enjoyed. Um, I want to reiterate that, you know, context is it is a huge thing. So when I breastfeed my baby, that's not sexual at all. But if I want to enjoy it during sex, then that's a different context, a different situation. And as humans, we're perfectly capable of separating and understanding the difference between the two. Um, but the hormones that are related to releasing milk are the same hormones that you release when you have an orgasm. So it makes sense that it feels good when you release milk. Um, I, you know, when I first had a baby, if I had an orgasm, I would just automatically let down because the release of the oxytocin would just cause the milk to come out. So, um, and which is the love hormone, which can be a sexual and non-sexual thing so if it is something that you enjoy and you want to engage in with your partner don't feel guilty or weird about it just you know you're perfectly able to know when you're doing it as an adult and when you're doing it with a baby and not feel sexual when you're doing it with a baby and feel sexual when you're doing it. the same as hands the same as a mouth the same as feet or any part of our body we can separate the context as as a human we're able to do that Mm, yeah and I think that's really important to touch on um 
because yeah we do it all the time even when we're having sex we're able to separate even if like I'm thinking like times with my vulva if I go to the doctor and I'm getting something checked out for me in that context it's not sexual I'm not getting turned on and then if I have my partner touch my vulva it's sexual I'm getting turned on yeah exactly like I used to work in care and I used to wash old people all the time see people naked all the time like it wasn't a sexual thing naked body it's I think the sooner we as as people learn that it's we are able to do that and it's not the responsibility of the person who has the thing you're sexualizing it's your responsibility to control your response then we'll live in a much better healthier society um, I think the whole concept that you know you need to cover up your breasts because people might see them as sexual well people see my feet as sexual and I don't need to cover those up like I just find that really frustrating and I feel like that would be a huge step to be like no actually it's the context not the body part that's sexual yeah and it's a conversation we need to be having and honestly it needs to be in our sex ed and everything so that yeah it isn't put on to the person who's being sexualized it's each individual being able to separate that context I think that yeah it's so important um I would love to yeah keep talking about like kinks but delve into like BDSM and one thing that I saw um on one of your blog posts was about like ADHD and I guess like neurodivergence um and I know that within the kink community there's a diverse representation of neurodivergence um so I guess I wanted to like first touch on that if you've seen that yourself obviously you're no um you're neurodivergent yourself like um yeah, like what that representation within the kink community has been like in your experience. It's Emily here with a quick interruption. When was the last time you took care of your wrinkly starburst, your peach, your butthole? If you are somebody who has a butt, loves to play with butts, or experiences any butt discomfort, then Happy Holes products are just for you. With their after anal cooling cream or sore butt soothing balm, there is something to make your butt feel good. It's time to stop feeling shame around our butts and go check out Happy Holes products and informative website at www.happyhole.com.au or via the link in the show notes. That's all for me, so enjoy the rest of today's episode. Yeah, I do think there is a link um, with neurodivergence and and um and kink um I think one of the reasons is so for example ADHD it's obviously an attention disorder and and a need for dopamine um so anything that gives you dopamine can make you feel good or be you know wanted so naturally kink and BDSM sex is a big part of that um and also like with my own experience it it you know your head your your mind in your head can be so loud and so um sometimes just a nasty place to be that uh having like that escape feeling is is really therapeutic and and kink can help with that especially things like impact play like this the stimulation the pain and the the anticipation and the submission and that whole dynamic and the power play it it can really help you stay attentive and also get you into your body and out of your mind. Mm, absolutely. And well, I imagine like 
you know, like subspace, like, you know, especially if you're like submissive going into that space, especially if you're anticipating the pain or experiencing that um, or, you know, being restricted, whatever it is that, you know, you're experiencing, just being able to zone in on that and just tap, like let everything else go. And I can imagine the, I guess the release, the feeling of that. I'm just like, oh, I can just lean into this and not have to worry about everything else or um, let the intrusive thoughts go. I'm a shocker for intrusive thoughts during sex, like having just stuff just constantly flying through your mind. Um, are you able to, I, um, I obviously mentioned the word subspace, but I'd be aware that some people who wouldn't be aware of what that actually means. Are you able to touch on what that is? Yeah, so subspace is essentially um, like post a scene, um, this like euphoric um, feeling. And it, it's a little bit like being like drunk. Um, it's very like, or, or like, uh, you know, when you get that like post cum glow, but like might like times a hundred, like you just, you just feel really calm. You feel um, really euphoric, really like sed- sedated. Um, and it's a, it's a lovely feeling. Um, but it's also really important that if, if you're being taken there, that you have like the care and support of your dom um, to you know make sure you eat and have a cuddle (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah aftercare is so important and I think um that's one thing that the kink community has been able to teach just everybody in general the importance of aftercare um and all the different ways that that can look and because it's something that I feel like doesn't get touched on enough until you maybe do start exploring kink and I think it's so important even just in you know, our day-to-day sex as well to have at least some form or have, you know, your options there for aftercare. Um, Obviously, you touched a bit on, like, how BDSM or kink can, I guess, be enjoyed by those who are neurodiverse. Are there any other ways you think that, like, it can support them, like, during, like, I guess, sex or exploring kink? Yeah, I think it can just, like, provide you know give that extra level to sex you know role play and just keep you more attentive and focused and definitely as well something that me and my partner um find is that it can be a real channel for our emotions so it it can allow us a, a way of uh connecting and feeling with someone else and processing whatever it is in that moment that could be like love and slow and emotional or it could be like really aggressive angry we've been overwhelmed and we're frustrated and you just want to fuck it out of each other um like it's it just it it can help channel you a lot I find um but then at the same time I do think people who are neurodivergent need to be careful that they don't you know get addicted or um need more and more intense sessions or you need to be really self-aware of yourself um you know because obviously those things are higher risk when you have neurodivergence Mm, yeah definitely and I feel like I've seen too like BDSM for instance and like you have to communicate so much and talk before a scene of exactly, you know, how do you want it to look? What are your boundaries? Um, how are we going to communicate? Um, you know, what limits to sensory are going to be? Do we need like, you know, blindfolds or, you know, I don't know, padded mittens or earplugs, whatever it is 
to um, you know support you and I feel like that's something that for those who are neurodivergent it gives them that space to be able to create a safe space and be (laughs) able to explore all those things that maybe you know just mainstream sex or uh, neurotypical people who aren't exploring this you know I feel like we make a lot of assumptions and there's a lot of um uh sometimes it, honestly a lot of lack of communication or it's it's hard to read or you've, you've got to rely on a lot of body image and how somebody's responding so I feel like BDSM and like kink can can provide such a great way to be able to you know create that safe space and create those boundaries and be able to create a scene or a sexual experience that is going to be I guess the most pleasurable and beneficial to everybody who's participating yeah and just just have like those really frank fearless conversations like with without worrying about what the other person's going to think or say or presume so my experience with neurodivergent people is that you know they're very open and they'll just say it how it is which I personally find very helpful (laughs) um and I, I've just created as well, which is going to go up on my blog later, like a kink contract. So if you are struggling on like where to start, um, you know, what what kinks to explore, what, then then that's something that you might want to have a look at. Um, it gives like a list of different kinks, your experience with them, um, you know, how much, whether they're a yes, no, or maybe notes, aftercare notes. And that's something really, that can be really handy as like a conversation starter as well with your partner, if that's something you want to explore. Yeah, and that's great. And it's great having, like seeing more and more of these resources come up because especially for people who want to explore this and it's just like, I don't know where to start. Or I will see people will start with a lack of education. You know, they'll just go to a sex store and buy these whips and paddles and restraints and things. And they're like, yeah, let's, let's just jump into it. And they haven't discussed all of this um, or been, yeah, don't even know what to discuss, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So it's great to see that we're getting like, you know, more and more of these resources. Yeah, 100%, because I think people are led to presume this is what people want and they just, they, there is quite a lot to learn. Like, it sometimes I feel like I'm teaching people to suck eggs, but then you learn that they don't have a safe word. They don't know what rack or, you know, they don't know anything about the safety precautions. They're just mm. jumping right having a girl around the face and wondering why she didn't like it very much so yeah absolutely um, (laughs) absolutely and people and that's the thing and sometimes I feel like even as like somebody who's like a sexologist sex educator I forget that people haven't been taught the basics like I feel like you know with social media and things it's just like oh we're seeing more and more people talking about this and sometimes I'll have a client come to me and it's just like oh like, like we like we need to go straight back to complete basics um yeah because it's we I I guess we can it's easy to forget especially the more and more that we learn too um yeah yeah oh sorry you go no I was just gonna say I I do the same thing like I did a video the other day where I said oh I'm allowed to unicorn and then everybody was like what's unicorn and I'm like oh like you remember that people don't they're like oh probably presume I'm like walking around with a horn on my head or something (laughs) yeah absolutely I even added it um I did a live show and my dad was there and we brought up pegging and my dad was like yelled out he's like what's pegging and I'm like oh sorry I've just made the assumption here that everybody knows that what that is and then I explained what it is and like you know we use this strap on blah 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 he's like 
watch the strap on and I was like okay I need to take it back a step further I'm like this is quite random that I'm explaining this to my dad in front of over 100 people (laughs) but let's do it (laughs) I love that yeah it was so funny so funny but it was a good reminder I was like okay it's so easy to just make assumptions even just around language sometimes I'll use like vulva owner or penis owner and especially when I say vulva because people still call you know a vulva a vagina and like are you saying volvo like you say like a car like what are you what are you saying (laughs) yeah definitely I find that really hard as well because especially on like social media I try and use the terms penis owner vulva owner because obviously it's gen you know gender inclusive of all the different types of genders but then you get censored so then I'm like oh I'll I'll try and use the terms man and woman or not and it makes it so complicated with the the censoring and and then we can't educate people we if Mm. if people able to use the terms vulva owner and penis owner as they're intended and not be like blocked for that then people wouldn't be needing to learn it so much but we're censored so much that it prevents us educating yeah absolutely and honestly that was one thing when I saw how many reels that you've managed to get out there I was like I wish because every time I fucking post something it gets taken down and it's so frustrating and especially around like words like penis and vulva like come on like it's it's our anatomy and it's just so frustrating and like we, we can't discuss these things and like you know, that I, it's ridiculous and and even the term the even sex education as a hashtag is blocked now which yeah, you i can't just even use it but but yeah there's people who are openly being transphobic racist um showing graphic images but when you're trying to educate and help people feel secure and safe in their body then no actually you're not allowed to do that it's it's ridiculous the only way i get around it is by using code word which frustrates people but it's all I can do Mm, yeah and it's frustrating but like at least we still can have that for now at least until they you know censor that again because I find as soon as we find a little little pathway through they come through and close it again but it's ridiculous especially when as you said there's so much more harmful content out there that is allowed and then the you know, people who are trying to do good, we're the ones who have to suffer. And especially when so much of our income comes from social media and then when we can just lose platforms so easily, like I've seen so many amazing sex educators either nearly lose their platforms or lose their platforms. And like, it's just devastating to see that like, you know, it can it can just be taken away from us so easily. Yeah, it's petrifying to be honest. I, I sit and stress about it all the time. Um, mm. But I just have to take each day and hope that, one day though it will be more accepted and and able to access because it's needed yeah absolutely it is people are gonna have sex people are gonna have sex so by stopping the education you're just preventing the safe sex you're not presenting preventing the sex no absolutely absolutely and the more we talk about it the like i guess less harmful sexual behaviors there will be the less of everything that they're scared of, like teen pregnancies and uh, non-consensual sex and all of the things that, you know, they want to prevent and think that we're going to corrupt people by talking about is the exact thing. It's the exact opposite. One thing that you did touch on before was the, um, I'm trying to think of what, what you call, is it abbreviation? Rack? What do you call that when it's like a, I forgot what the word is. Abbreviation, isn't it? Or... An- an- no, it's not an anagram, is it? I it's have no a, idea. I don't know. 
when when a word okay. it breaks down to other words <laughs> um and it's yeah i know that a lot of people probably wouldn't have heard what rack stands for um are you able to like break that down a bit or break down like what it actually stands for yeah so there's a few different um acronyms is it an acronym i got the word acronym now. you got it uh, yeah <laughs> that um people use in t- for like making sure kink is safe and that's my favorite one so it basically stands for risk aware um consensual kink so it it kind of a lot of people use like saying safe but um rack kind of understands that not everything that people do within kink is necessarily safe but what we can do is be aware of the risk and therefore minimize it and consent with all the information that we need to make that consent um, valid despite the risk, if that makes sense. So, you know, for example, choking, there's always a risk with when you're going to be choking or like rope. There's always some kind of risk when you're using rope. But if you're aware of um, where the pressure points on the body to avoid are, if you have, you know, a pair of shears so that you can cut someone out, you're minimising that risk. Um, to be able to keep someone as safe as possible um, and then obviously the the consensual part is that you you're able to consent you're of legal age to consent um, you're you have you're saying you're not under the influence of anything that would alter your um, you know ability to consent um, so that's kind of what that covers it's just to keep people as safe as they can within the kink community yeah and I think it's great to have the risk aware there because as you said not anything is completely safe even when it comes to sex I always say safer sex not safe sex because you know condoms can break there's still contact on skin like there's no completely safe way to go about it and I think it's always important to like prepare for the almost like the worst case scenario like be prepared for shit to go wrong so that when the shit does go wrong you know what to do you've got action plans in place so that you can you know quickly I don't know put something in um to to fix whatever's happening or you know have have whatever you need depending on obviously what you're doing um so yeah I love that I think that's really important um because it's with anything there's risk in anything yeah exactly there's risk crossing the road that you might get run over so um it's just being aware of and and minimizing it looking both ways and listening for a car it's the same thing yeah yeah absolutely um is there anything else you want to touch on when it comes to uh, like neurodivergence and kink um I don't think so it's something that I am fascinated by and I really want to learn more um so um but you know I feel like I've kind of touched on but I'd love to hear people's like experience of kink and and, and neurodivergence and, and how it's helped them or whether it's helped them um please you should come and chat to me and share um but you know my experience is that it's been incredible for my mental health mm, yeah that's great to hear um well one question that I ask everybody when they come onto the podcast is what's something that's orgasmic to you so it doesn't have to be sexual but just something that is yeah orgasmic um healthy communication (laughs) so rare yeah I know I know (laughs) if I'm pissing you off can you just tell me and tell me why and tell me how I can support you through that like instead of just 
not talking to me for two days. Like, just talk. <laughs> Use your words. Yep. Use your words. I know exactly what you mean. It's something that I have been trying to work on so much. Um, like, I started, like, therapy. It would be two years ago, I think, therapy, literally this month. And, like, my communication is something I've tried so hard. We had like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is why I'm feeling it. And this is how you can support me. And mm-hmm. it's so important for us to be able to learn to communicate like that because it just makes everything – it might feel like it's making a relationship harder in the immediate, but in the long term it makes it so much easier. Yeah, and the other thing is people that take responsibility for their feelings. So, like, it's fine to feel jealous. It's fine to feel frustrated or worried or anything as a response to someone's behaviour, but it's not okay to expect them – to know and to change their behavior for you it's your responsibility to pro to to process like if there's something that they can do that will help you stop feeling that then you can ask them but at the end of the day everyone's autonomous in their bodies and it's not someone else's responsibility to change so that you don't feel jealous anymore but you can ask for support in that so people who understand that i just i'm like oh you're amazing yeah, and I, it looks like we're slowly moving towards, I guess, a society where everybody's being a bit more aware and capable um, and we've just got more resources and even conversations like this, like it might just, you know, spark something for somebody. Oh, okay, let me let me look into that more of how I, you know, communicate better. Um, yeah, so that's amazing. I love that. Same for me. Healthy communication, orgasmic. <laughs> yes, let's all yeah. have more communication orgasms <laughs> yes <laughs> next time I have a fight with a partner and it's just like you know really healthy great fight I'm like oh that was orgasmic <laughs> yeah I love that um also well where can my listeners find you your content your resources your spicy content everything um so I have my biggest place is my is Instagram I've got um it's better sx.blog um, I also have a blog, which is the same, um, and I write like weekly blogs on on the topics of sex and intimacy and kink, um, which you can subscribe to and get the letter every every week. Um, and then I have TikTok, which is Alice Lovegood XO, and then you can find my spicy content at um, Alice Lovegood. Um, I'll put everything in the show notes as well so everyone can easily find you but thank you so much for coming on and talking about kinks and like BDSM um, today I really appreciated it thank you so much for having me it's been lovely to chat with you (laughs) 